Welcome to episode 150 of Avengers Super Train. 150! There were those who said we wouldn't get past episode 5. There were others who said 27. There were some who said 43. There were a few out there who said you will never make it past episode 74. And to all of you, I say ha, ha, and ha again. Now, those of you who said we're not going to make it past 162 or 211, you're still in the pool. But the rest of you, ha 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 ha, and ha ha ha. And those of you who said we wouldn't make it past 149, Steve, you're out of here. So let's enjoy this episode, shall we? What do we got for this one? Well, it's a very special episode because it's 150. But apart from that, all I've got for you is uh, screwing around with you the same way the TV schedules do. Because Luke Can Season 2 is not beginning in this episode. It's beginning the next one. Ha <laughs> ha! Ding ding! Gotcha. You know, it was off the air because the beach bum's there for, what, like 12 weeks? So, yeah, you, you know, you thought Season 2 was going to start this, this episode and Amanda would be back. Mm, she'll be back the next episode. As far as you know. Steve... So this episode, we just got another two-segmenter. It's fun. Uh, we're going to start off again with Galactica 1980, and we're going to start with episode four, The Super Scouts, part one. And then we are going to do the ninth episode. Did I forget the name of Suspect Your Local Police, the ninth episode of Gemini Man. And what I'm actually going to do here, simply because I have it standing by, is I'm going to give you just a quick breakdown of the Super Scouts episode one. Uh, uh, yeah, Super Scouts episode one, and then um, uh, then I'll play you a little Galactica theme, and then uh, Mr. Christopher Bly and I will be on the other side. Super Scouts one, directed by Vince Edward, written by Glenn A. Larson, March sixteenth, nineteen eighty, and in this one, uh, the fleet the fleet is attacked by a bunch of Cylons, and the ship they use to t- uh, teach the kids is uh destroyed so troy and dylan and what like 10 or so 10 12 or so of the uh of the kids that they're teaching all head down to earth and they have to pretend that they are scouts and of course they get involved with uh the military and all sorts of other people and then eventually there there's shenanigans involving uh, uh bank robbery and scouting equipment and two of the kids get sick from drinking from a local stream which the nearby um big power plant whatever the heck it is plant um dumps into and uh it all sort of ends with uh uh Troy and Dylan going to the head of the power plant Mel and trying to convince him that he's um, ruining the water, which doesn't work, and then we meet a sheriff in the town who is going to go after these fake scouts and these fake scout leaders who are trying to shut down the plant. And of course, that means it's a um, it's a storyline. It doesn't start off like this, but it ends as a storyline about a small town that's sort of ruled over by the big a big power plant and a sheriff who will do whatever he has to to keep that power plant going, include you know pollute all the water and let kids die. And um, if you've been paying attention to the show, you know my thoughts on when the shows do storylines like that. So I'm not going to go too deep into that here because. Mr. Bly and I will be discussing that right after I play you a little of this wonderful theme from Galactica 19.
80. Super Scouts, Part 1. This is the fourth episode of Galactica 1980, or as the opening credits call it, Battlestar Galactica. Um, but uh, guess who I've got with me here? Come on. You got it, Mr. Christopher Bly. Mr. Bl Mr. Bly, sir, how are you? Very good, not uh, Galactica. Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, you are a Super Scout. I've always <laughs> thought so. How super am I? Well, we'll find out as we go through yeah, well, tonight's uh, uh, present episode here. Yes, and it is um, it is actually it is the first day of summer, and it is also, you, you said, is it, I believe, someone's birthday? Yeah, it's like uh, the day that we're recording here, uh, a one of the main stars of Galactica 1980, albeit retired, uh, is sharing a birthday today, and she's still with us, Miss Robin Douglas. Yay! So, Robin... This one's for you. If if you'd like this one to be for you, maybe you, you didn't like the episode. I don't know. Well, we did. I wish we had her on. I should have. I, I had I known. Had oh, I known. Um, well, so welcome to summer, everyone. Welcome to um, Robin Douglas's birthday. And I would like to ask you, sir, what you thought of Super Scouts Part One. Uh, Super Scouts kind of uh, brings a little bit of enthusiasm, but it also brings some replacements uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, we were so used to the last couple episodes that we've covered that all of a sudden, uh, Dr. Z has changed form. Yes. All of a sudden. We have a different person. This was almost like the switching of the drummers on the Partridge family somehow, mm -hmm. you know, and we had we had it like that. But I can tell you, we have a, a, re, a, a kind of the pre-show Kind of like what to what to expect from this one, and it looks like it's going to be a little more action packed, a little more, uh, you know, firing and lasers and everything. Uh, but there comes a reason why the um, our beloved uh, bunch of the Galactica world uh, has to go back to Earth for a reason, you know, or a couple of reasons for that mm -hmm. matter. But it does kind of extend into a little bit of time there, and uh, this is a most um, interesting. <clears throat> I always feel you too, Doctor Z. When I was watching this, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Number Two from The Prisoner as well. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe Doctor Z is just a rotating name for a child, and always for information. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's yeah. one of those things that I don't know if this was a intended thing for the Galactica 1980 because I guess we couldn't get uh, Cousin Oliver back and, yeah. and his Warren, his young Warren Zevon Best to kind of get there <laughs> to really show uh, Z, Z is uh, the way to be. Uh, the way to be. But uh, I gotta say, you know, like I said, it was uh, it was a little more energetic than a couple of the last chapters. There, mm -hmm. uh, it makes an it makes an interesting uh, place, but it also kind of puts them uh, in kind of like the. I feel like they're trying to make our two heroes uh, the outlaws that every once mm -hmm. in a while pop up. You know, it's like uh -huh. is there 
They're always doing something with the right intentions, but uh, yeah. they seem to be red alerting the, uh, the, the, the wrong authorities in this one here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, just it was, and like I said, it also had like, I said, when you see the names, you're not too familiar. When you see the faces, however, yes. you go, oh my God, yeah. I've seen this one and this thing and that thing. So that was another thing that was actually quite a kick mm-hmm. to watch on this one. And um, like I said, it's it's always uh, it's always fun to see that uh, you have uh, these uh, abilities. Also, too, I said I feel like we we've introduced the biotic jumping amongst the kids. <laughs> yes, the it's it's like the reverse falling of the little rascals. It's just, it's just <laughs> yes. Gonna... And then uh, then of course we had the stock footage of the destruction uh, of what ends up having the kids having to transfer over to. Mm-hmm. I guess they're kind of shipboard classroom uh, got uh, a little bit on the receiving end of the non-communicative Cylons on this one. Mm-hmm. doesn't seem that they have much to say, but they, I guess they're figuring, you know, course of action. That's yeah. their duty on this case, you know. And then, uh, but what was great was, uh, a, well, now Boomer has upped the Colonel and now has got uh, yeah. the outfit of Colonel Ty. I guess Ty, Ty, <laughs> I guess Ty's all tied up in this case. So. <laughs> Gotta figure that one. But I feel like a lot of the destructive footage is like squeezed footage from Earthquake. You know, oh, like, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, that's, sometimes yeah. Sometimes when you see like a Universal show, they've got like the Universal like, you know, stock footage mm-hmm. of from anywhere that we could go. Because they said, because you look at it, some of it kind of looks thinner and it looks yeah. expanded. So it's basically something from a widescreen thing that's kind of gone a little, a little thinner. But, yeah. um, but uh, luckily the children get out of danger and uh, it's. I, it's funny when you know they, they and eventually they go to Earth. One of them says like, "Oh, I wish my mother, father, and baby brother could see this." <laughs> we never see a mother, father, or baby brother yes. before this, yes. so wonder. Yeah, and uh, was it, and of course there's always a fuel problem. Something's got to have them, yeah. like, you know, go to the pit stop or something like that. You know, they mm. all have to pit. You know, mm. and then um, intri- intriguingly enough, they've realized that cubits in this world is the equivalent of gold. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, they're kind of going into the foreseeing possibly the simplicity of cash for gold yeah that would happen in our world many <laughs> decades later that usually is a phone call and maybe a trip to an appraiser mm-hmm. of sorts instead of uh, going to a bank for currency fueling a possible unintended yet oh, uh, ba- bag swiping robbery <laughs> and uh, yeah it's like it's it's all it's all connected you know even with the department store you never seen a person more glowing and when somebody says, oh, they're going to be getting like 12 of each for everything. Oh, yeah. Ah. It sounds like they're going to be closing early at some point on that <laughs> department store. <laughs> and basically what it is is basically they've come here out of salvation, but has pretty much gotten on everybody's kind of radar. And I said, like, you look at the beginning, you say, what's with all the red outfits? And I said, well, I guess it's their little guise of being scouts here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not interfering with any kind of. Uh, affiliation, luckily, so they were very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, good editing on that part, and then um, and uh, basically they're for that. But they all have this ability above everybody. You know, campfire yeah, campfires even includes a song that mm-hmm. somehow that somehow Glenn Larson co-wrote on that one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like red tent, red outfits. I mean, everything red. It's like it's like everybody is on red alert. I mean, hey, right down to the fact that they're wearing berets on this one. Not yes. ball caps, berets. Mm. Not a bad thing. No, 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 oh no. And one thing I can appreciate is also too the fact that yeah, they're once again with the what I call now the fly cycles. You know, it's oh yeah, that's, mm-hmm. 
There's never a term for it, but nobody's ever had a fly cycle, so I think this is <laughs> kind of suiting for that one. Um, you you kind of swear if this was on another network, this would have been a great crossover possibility because it could have been a great crossover with chips. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Right down to the music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. The music was just so I love I love that kind of rhythmic you know mm. kind of like motorcycle disco kind of uh, yeah. thing. I mean, just anytime you have something from that time. In fact, there was a CD at one time that was uh, Star Trek theme that sounded very 1979, very 80, and said, like, Batman, they, should, they probably got the Chips Orchestra to get mm-hmm. into it with that, mm-hmm. if there is such a thing. <laughs> the, chips, the Chips Orchestra of, of Los Angeles. Yes, right down to electronic sounds and beats and possibly some roller skating. Yes, it's very possible. In fact, I think in this episode, there was a place that, if you look very closely, there's a sign that says, skate here. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, my, my thoughts on the episode, um, uh, it, it, it was, it, it was weird when I thought about the first three episodes, he, Glennie Larson introduces so much, and then the, the previous episode was just a series of resolves, but he resolves so much that by the end of the episode, like, we're back at the beginning of everything again, mm. and we, we haven't accomplished anything, so when this episode began, I thought, okay, so what are we going to do? And when I saw Super Scouts, I thought, oh, no, let's not have a bunch of precocious kids that that never, unless it's the bad news bears, that's not great for anyone. But it is a bunch of precocious kids. Now, I will say this. um, One of the little girls is um, uh, the little blonde girl who picks up the flower. Yes. And she said, that is baby Irene from Fernwood Tonight. Oh, whoa. Oh, I guess I said I knew I had to think of like. Where did these kids all go? And I said, great, we, we found one. It's a great baby Irene from yes. the Fernwood. We and love she, a good Fernwood reference every yeah. time. Yeah, so she she is one of the, if not the first guest. She comes out and sings a song. I forget, I meant to look up what song she sings. But she comes out and sings a song, much to Martin Mull's confusion. And she sings the song and she tap dances. Then she shows up again a few episodes later when she does a dance to um, the piano playing of the guy who in the Iron Lung, who plays piano. <laughs> uh, too funny. Well, it, was this the first rocket to stardom on there at that I, point? I, I, I don't rem- I, I want to say it was the first rocket to stardom. I don't know if it was called that in the very first episode, but I believe it was. Um, she, but yeah. she's, yeah, she's in the first episode. And I think in the, because there will be five episodes a week, she's in like the Monday episode and like the fourth episode on like Thursday or Ooh, something like that. And she shows up at the end and she does a tap dance. And yeah, she's very I, much a hi. How are you? How are I might you? have to check my uh, was it my Mary Hartman Mary Hartman set for that yes. one because it might be included in there if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, um, I, I yeah I, I the moment I saw her I was like oh my god it's baby Irene it's good <laughs> to see her because this was like three or three three four years later because I, I think she's only like five in, in oh wow for tonight so this is like two three years later so she's like seven or eight. Mm. And she she's a little cute. I mean, they all are, you know, everyone, in, in, you know, in, including Mr. Van Dyke. Yeah, and, and it's so funny because three of them have the last name of Larson. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm imagining that that's not that's not with an E, folks. That is with the the proper Glenn A. Yeah, it's, so, it it runs in the family, as you could see there. Yes. Um. And and the 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 episode's an interesting one because um um I'll. <laughs> I'll be honest, by the time it got to the end, I was just kind of shaking my head and going, Glenn, this is the way you chose to go with the show, really? 
And because when you get to the end of the episode, not only do you have just, you know, you, lots and lots of scenes of the two guys not understanding what's going on. And I thought, no, please, <laughs> how many more scenes of this can we have? And then um, you get uh, a scene where there's, um, what is he, Colonel Seidel? Seidel? Seidel, Seidel. Seidel, who's from the Air Force or something like that. Basically, he's kind of like a blue book kind of guy looking for for UFOs. And then you have um, our reporter lady, Jamie, and you have her boss, and they're all assembled. And there's this big moment where they're all like looking for the the scouts and people who might be involved with robbers and something possibly involving a UFO. And there's a scene where Jamie talks to her boss and then she's walking to her car. And I suddenly thought, I don't care. I don't care about anything that's happening right now. Please. And, and, and then, and then it did something tricky by the end of the episode. For those of you listening, you all know that a few episodes ago, there was an episode of Lucan um, involving a baby and um, one of those towns that Canon seems to go to every three episodes <laughs> where um, like either a rich family or a rich person or a corporation is like in charge of everything. And they've got like the sheriffs in their pocket, the deputies and the judges, everything's in their pocket. And when we watched this Lucan episode, Amanda thought it was OK. I hated it. I really disliked the episode. I thought it was poorly written confusing and just just like ugh and I put a moratorium on there are two things I have moratoriums on uh, in the world of entertainment one is 1960s or 1970s European films set in turn of the 20th century all girls schools where something is going on in a strange <laughs> manner like werewolves in a girls dormitory or school of mm. death or how's the how's the no is the how the screamed the one with the 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 where they're being stabbed with the glass shard of glass. I forget what that one's called. Um, but I put a moratorium on those because I just got sick of those. I also put a moratorium on the plot line that we saw in the Lucan. And there, there's a funny thing. A long time ago, Mitchell Hadley, who was on here with Bourbon Street Beats and um, Search, he 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 and his wife are very sort of disciplined the way they watch TV. You know, like, Monday night is 77 Sunset Strip night. Tuesday night is Maverick night. You know, and they watch one episode a night. And they were doing canon, and he said, I think he stopped watching it. And they stopped watching it during one of those episodes. They said canon went into the middle of the desert to a small town to find someone. Everyone was closed mouth. There was someone there who kind of lorded themselves over everything. There was an evil sheriff and an evil deputy. And he said, he, he they stopped the episode halfway through and said, do we want to watch this again? <laughs> and they said no. And they just stopped watching canon. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because this episode has, that's right, one canon guest star. Yes, we've got <laughs> Mike Kellen, who is, uh, what happens is we have uh, our kids Get into the one bit of danger, which is somebody uh, drank the water in yes. the, in the uh, neighborhood, the water, yeah. and and uh, they need help. You know, this is something that kind of comes key within mm -hmm. uh, this and our and probably the next episode. Yes. And the person that's in charge of this plant is Mike Kellen. You know, who by the way, you would know he got demoted later on to being a camp counselor. Yes, now. <laughs> and so, so from that point, you know, it's like you already know there's trouble. Oh, but it gets better because. The whole episode gets the attention of a sheriff. Yes. This sheriff would be known to all audiences, particularly me, being raised in a Woodbecko Hope Theater household. 
as the leader of the Black Widows in every which way but loose. Yes. In a case like this, where's Violet Badeau and, and Clyde when you need them? Yes. And this he's on the other side of the of the law here, if you can <laughs> believe that. You know, he's actually going through, you know, by the law, getting pissed off as cheesily as he possibly can. Yes. Hey, probably paid him well. And, he, um, yeah, and, and uh, just to see that kind of uh, cameo delight kind of raise the stock a little bit. Say, like, okay, <laughs> now I want to see what the hell goes on next. Yeah. It's funny because the health center is also known as uh, Paradise Valley. Yeah. Wondering if that's anybody close to Paradise City. And the thing that got me with the episode is that so I was watching it for about the first 40 minutes. And, you know, it's about, about 50 minutes or so. And I was thinking, okay, where exactly are we going with this? What, because it doesn't, it meanders along and it's, the kids are getting sick, we're accidentally robbing banks, we're having chip-style motorcycle chases on that same stretch of freeway that we were on in the first episode. Um, And um, I'm thinking, where's this going? And then all of a sudden they see Mel from Sleepaway Camp, and I immediately thought, man, I haven't watched Sleepaway Camp in a while. Man, oh man, it's time. Time to watch it again. And then it goes from Mel, and I didn't even realize they were doing it. They were talking about the plant, polluting the water and stuff. And then all of a sudden it cuts to the sheriff and the deputy. And they're talking about, well, we're going to find them and we're going to teach them a lesson or whatever. And I thought, oh no, Glenn, <laughs> you did it. You, I, I didn't, I, I, I was unsure what was going to happen because I knew it was a two-parter. But it's one of these these things that I said I wasn't going to watch anymore. What did you do to me, Glenn? I didn't know it was going to be. I didn't think that a Galactica episode would be one of those things. Like, every episode of the Master, the Master Ninja show, is like Mm. this. You know, every, you know, it's just, you you all know this plot line. You know, everybody, the, the two people go into town, you know, we're trying to stop the pollution. Well, we're going to cordon off the town. You want to stop the pollution? We're going to stop you, boy. And it's like, oh, no. And then the guy who plays the deputy, I don't know the actor's name, but I was like, he's the deputy guy. He's the guy who's always the deputy. You oh, know, my... that by question it, doubt it, you know, and then come to some conclusion about it, you know, by the end of it all. And interesting, another interesting thing that I, I learned on there, they go to the, the, the medical center of Paradise Valley, mm-hmm. and the one main person that's getting them would later have a future in a little place called St. Elsewhere. This is a little yes. bit of intern training. Mr. Mm-hmm. George Deloy yeah. comes in the final minutes, you know, mm-hmm. kind of showing his training. Ironically, his name is Dr. Spencer. Mm-hmm. Weirdly about that, I kept on thinking, uh-oh, do we have a couple of things linked in here? Because I don't know if uh, poor Charles is anywhere close by. Mm. Is he related to Luke? I'm yes. not sure at the general hospital world hmm. if this is the case. Yeah, it's... Could have opened the possibility. It was on ABC. So yeah, guys, true. We, we yeah. could have had Gary do a cameo. Uh, yeah. Gary do a cameo. Uh, yeah. If it was ever so inclined to expand this doctor to be related to this one. It, it occurs to me as I was as I was watching this and suddenly Glenn revealed which of the like 12 standard action show, 70s, 80s action show plot devices he was going to use. Um, and it occurs to me, like this season he's got Quincy is going, this is going, Buck Rogers is going, BJ and the Bear is going, and Sheriff Lobo is going Mm. so i think by this point he may have left quincy because quincy's in like its fourth season maybe and usually by that time he bailed on the shows but but he's got a lot going on so so i I can understand i i I somehow think that of all the shows that were going 
this was probably the one where he was like, you know, after, after like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make another, th- we're going to do another three-hour pilot. No, you're not. Okay, we're cutting it in three. And we're going to have time travel. No, you're not. Okay, we're not going to have time travel. You know, and it's just like, I, I get the distinct feeling watching this that of his shows, this may be the one that, it, Battlestar Galactica was probably a year ago was the one he cared about the most. I get the distinct feeling now that this might be the one he cares about the least. <laughs> I don't know that for certain or at I all. I think it was also to you figure it, most of his stuff was on NBC, mm-hmm. and this was on ABC where yeah. very little of his stuff was at that time. Yeah, where he knew he knew there was an audience, and a lot of the audience was kids, which is why I think he's introducing kids. But one of the tricky things with kids is like, if you know, I, when this aired, I was seven. If mm-hmm. I had seen all these kids, I would have tuned out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have stayed too. I mean, unless it's something like the Bad News Bears, right? right you know, but right. but like precocious little kids, snotty, smart little kids who who reminded me occasionally of myself because I could be a little <laughs> precocious and snotty. I had no interest in watching them. I'm here for the Cylons and for the hunky guys and the great looking gals. And all uh, all of this was directed by another one who played a doctor on television, Mr. Vince Edwards. He ended yes. up directing this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And so basically, we had to find some kind of doctorly thing to come into yes. there at some point. You know, being that you had a television doctor directing mm-hmm. your show at this point. There, I, I but, will I, I will say the locations. I'm because I, I got the Blu-ray on now, and I'm watching. It is interesting. I think I mentioned this before. I do find it interesting that. Uh, and I'll probably say this one more time before we're done, that in that big, big, like, 18 Blu-ray set, uh-huh. that they put Galactica 1980, the widescreen versions, on two Blu-rays, but they split the full-frame ones across three. Mm. I, f- I found that kind of interesting. So basically we're watching, the, the I'm, we're on the second disc of the full frames right now, and I will say, I'm looking at it here, it looks gorgeous. All the scouts are sitting on, the like, the... um. Colonel Seidel's car there, and the woods are behind them. And uh, it, looks, it looks one of my favorite things. moments is them taking apart, almost looking like they're taking apart the car. Yes. All I can think of is like, did any of these kids have relatives that ended up in six pack? <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 I mean, I will say this: like, you know, I I I I was slightly snide about reusing the the freeway. Um, stretch of freeway but i like that stretch of freeway i like the fact that they have access to an actual stretch of freeway i i like the uh, right now they're all sitting outside singing and everything's very red and on the blu-ray it looks gorgeous if it were if it were on tv or on vhs the reds we'd be having trouble with all these reds and it's singing a song that's kind of almost indecipherable and i don't see many of them actually moving their mouths to sing so i don't know if this is like a telepathic yeah yeah they have a little tk here going here yeah um, but uh, but it's 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 a weird episode because in the end, I didn't really like it. But well, it was entertaining for it damn was, sure. You it, know, it, it it had it had entertaining moments, but as I was watching it, yeah, there was just this thing of, come on, Glenn, because like that that first episode really felt like it might be going somewhere, but then by the end of the third episode, we'd gone nowhere. So now mm-hmm. I feel like is this where we're going? Something mm-hmm. to do with. Uh, and the weird thing about it is that normally the way the going into the small town controlled by a certain person, person slash corporation, is usually there's a moment where you go into the town. But in this one, they're in the woods on the outskirts of the town. So that's how he tricked me because I, never, re- I never realized we were in. I, I thought we were just outside of L.A. 
I not only that, but it's like no no cameo for Woodsy the Owl or Smokey yeah, the Bear. Yes, and it's because so, because normally you'll get a shot where like you know like Cannon is just driving along a street and he'll suddenly you know he'll be in the desert and there'll be a small town you know I'll be, and and you know you're sort of in the middle of nowhere a distance away from everything. But here you're kind of in the same woods that the same exact woods they were in in the previous episodes, and those seem to be adjacent to everything. Actually, so, not only that, the, uh, what was it, the, you know, Canon, the great thing about that desert was that there was one point where he actually got to do the belly flop on the oasis over I there. I think I remember that. It was the cannonball, you know. The cannonball. Yeah, so so it's it's really weird because I, I will say this, like I said, Glenn sneaked it past me. I didn't see that coming. When, the, when he's talking to Mel, it didn't connect that, oh, this is what the plot line is. It was the moment we saw the sheriff, and I said, oh, no, Glenn. Wow. And it's, I mean, I think part of it, too, is that the two main guys, you know, you know, they're not um, our guys from the first show. It's not Apollo and Starbuck, obviously. And, yeah. you know, when you look at Barry Van Dyke, I said, it's unmistakable that he is the son of of Dick yes. Van Dyke because he's just got that voice. Also, too, you think of it now, it's kind of foreseeing his mm. portrayal on Diagnosis Murder, you know, basically, mm. you know, especially yeah. when he's like around the, the doctorly thing and he's yeah. kind of saying all this diagnosis to George Deloy on there. I'm going like, my God, I said, you know, he's uh, <laughs> he's basically, you know, in train. like I said, like a lot of these guys before uh, their main shows, they're in training for the future. Mm-hmm. And basically, and here in this episode, you kind of see a lot of that right there, you know, particularly between those particular two. Yeah. And um, but uh, the best I could leave with, leave it with on these kind of uh, closing notes of, of sorts, if you will, mm-hmm. is this, which I say, uh, okay. There's the classic freeze frame we get to at the closing moments of this one. Very <laughs> police squad esque. Yes. <laughs> Not only that, but also it has the announcer from Police Squad on it. We would end up doing the uh-huh. dreaded season two of Buck Rogers, also a Larson product. Yes. And here's the thing. He said, what will become of the fly cycling troop leaders? <laughs> Stay tuned for part two of <laughs> the Super Scouts, Super Scouts, which they're never called through all of the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting episode because if you if you sort of take the first three episodes as just stuff that happened and nothing too important, then this is kind of the first proper episode. <laughs> and um, it, it at the end of it, I was like, okay, where are we going with this? I was, I was up in the air. I was not, um, if, if I wasn't, if I wasn't doing this for a podcast and if I didn't had, if I hadn't purchased the Blu-rays, I might have stopped watching at the end of the episode because I would have been like, eh, there are only six left. It's not like it's going to get better. So, eh, you know, um, so, but, but, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. And I, I was going to say, um, why am I blanking? Who's, who's the other guy? It's Mr. Van Dyke. Oh, uh, Kent McCord. Kent McCord, yes. He's in Airplane 2. Also I... foreseeing the Battlestar Galactica motif. Yeah. Yes, he's because he's a, yes using the best because I I hadn't watched Airplane two in probably twenty years, and I watched it the other night and I thought this is actually pretty darn funny. This is it is a, you know actually it is it is a funny movie like not everything works but I got to say also too and what's interesting about that one just to you know 
a little bit of a side diversion. Um, basically, you know, it had a, a moment that was reminiscent of the first airport, which basically you didn't see you know, like you've seen a couple of rivers, but nobody ever referred to the first one. Mm-hmm. And this and the second airplane does at one yeah. point. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So. But, uh, you know, because they all have to say Bono's. So, anyway, so. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Kent McCord is in it. And, and, and for um, anyone uh, um, looking forward to hearing me talk about Gemini Man, Richard Jekyll is also. Jekyll? Jekyll is also Jekyll. in Airplane 2. He's one of the uh, the ground crew who has to deal with... Um, uh, our, what's, what's his character's name? Um Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Oh yeah, he, the Lloyd Bridges. Uh, yes, he, he he doesn't say that in airplane in airplane two. They don't have him repeat those lines, but he is very funny in airplane two. Although the best part is possibly when Shatner shows up in the end because he's got <laughs> he's got such a weird energy and that shot where he's behind the screen and let's go to the tower. We don't have a tower, sir. Only a bridge. No tower. Yes. Why the hell didn't someone tell me? And then he opens the door and he's like not on the screen. He's just on the other side of the door. Not only that, but also his, uh, on the other side there is Richard Gilliland, who would be in another short-lived, uh, short, uh, possibly future show, maybe for you, uh, Just Our Luck, oh, yes. uh, where it was kind of like the uh, bringing the I Dream of Genie idea to mm-hmm. an, an early 80s audience with T.K. Carter yes. playing that. And it was also in a TV movie that I speak, speak at length about. From the mind of Irwin Allen, and put off until three years later on the same night as the match. Oh yes, called the night the bridge fell down. Yes, that's a good one. And yeah, you've never seen an early uh, Philip Baker Hall with a stash until you've seen that one. <laughs> and believe me, you know it's him way before the Bookman days. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was trying to think if there's anything else. Um, uh, I, it, it's weird. I just one more thing about Airplane Two. I hadn't watched it in at least two decades, but there were there were moments that I still remembered very clearly, like when um, uh, Robert Hayes' character is, is painting like flowers, and he says, "You can go," and it's a sad naked woman. And um, I, I think I first saw it when I was a kid. And then that great moment where William Shatner gets really pissed off and has them turn everything off. And he's like, and he's like, oh, this is never gonna work. They're they're dead. Turn it off. Turn everything off. Turn everything. And it just like the all the lights, they turn everything off. Then they get, oh sir, they're 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 approaching. Turn it all back on. And they all t- turn everything back on. And this is, so airplane two is pretty good. I'll well, it's also too. It's the periscope that's the kicker. The periscope is great. In, in a chat. I for what those is- who have never seen it. Just wait till get, that moment comes up, yes. and you'll know exactly what I mean. Yes, yes. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, I liked Airplane Two more than this episode of Galactica 1980. <laughs> and, um, uh, but we this isn't an Airplane Two podcast; it's a Galactica 1980 cast. So, what what else do you have on this one? Because I think, I mean, I, I think I pretty much said my thoughts on it. I, I yeah, it, and I think we pretty much covered everything on that one. I mean, even I'm looking at the uh, the bullet points. Yeah, it was just pretty much. Uh, you know, just basically what it was mm-hmm. and what it is. And, you know, it's, we're just dealing with one side that's the dodging the uh, UFO seekers and the mm-hmm. other one being the authorities. Yeah. Well, you know, will they will they be better than uh, water and, uh, and oil? And also, too, you think of it, they're having this little message that forecasts civil action. Yes. And Aaron Brockovich, basically. You know, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. basically we have that would come up later on and, and you know, to other not so preachy poo effect. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so that's that... pretty much the deal. That, so that's Super Scouts Part 1, everyone. That's Episode 4 of Galactica 1980, or Battlestar Galactica. 
Um, so, Mr. Bly, where, what, what's up, sir? Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I have a lot of things going on, uh, very varied. Once in a while, I, I do a contribution to First View, but a lot of uh, 2023 has been kind of like my seeking out the film, mm. seeing some 35, some 70, some 16 at different theaters around the New York and just recently uh, uh, the California area. Mm. I actually made that little pop-in mm. over there uh, for a very special one. But uh, if uh, to learn all this and more, uh, you could find me uh, www.facebook.com slash Captain Bly. You could also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd uh, under uh, Captain Bly 76. That's C-A-P-T-A-I-N-B-L-I-G-H 76. Excellent. Thank you so much, sir. And now we are going to go from the Super Scouts to the Latvian corner of Los Angeles, which is, yes, on a back lot. Sam Casey teaming up with Mr. Richard Jekyll in Suspect Your Local Police. Listen to this. Gemini Man, Episode 9, Suspect Your Local Police, or Le Dissident. You know the spelling on that is the French version. I'm not, with a French title, I, every time I see that title, I, I think I know who it's referring to and what it's referring to, but then I think about it, and I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to go too deeply into that, um, but uh, is it, it, I mean, it's referring to the bad guys, right? It's not referring to the guy who gives a speech we're going to talk about in a minute there because everyone's on his side. So he would... Well, I guess... I guess Is it the guy who gives a speech? It's not about Richard Jekyll because he's being forced to do what he's doing. So it's either about... Could it be about Sam? I don't know. I'm going to stop talking. Um, that, that Every time I see that title come up, I think... I don't fully understand why they chose that as the name, of the French name of this episode. But anyway, so Suspect Your Local Police is a much better ep episode title, I think. Uh, and this is episode 9 of Gemini Man. Uh, again, like the previous two, this is uh, unaired on the network, and it feels so weird to get in the... Uh, previous two, previous three, this is unaired on the network, and it just, um... It feels so weird, you know, to, um... To be at the point where where we you know we had what five episodes that aired and now this is the fourth episode that didn't. <laughs> I think you know in the end we um yeah we have about as much that didn't air as, as that did air. Of course it did air in um in uh in um Britain it did air. Actually it's funny I I just started reading um the about time which is a part of a series of books about Doctor Who. Hey I got to bring up Doctor Who and in it they are. Uh, and it's a very in-depth books about Doctor Who, and I just got the latest one, which is um, the second edition of Volume f uh, Book Four, Volume Two, uh, which covers the three Graham Williams Tom Baker seasons, which is uh, what is it, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, basically nineteen 
77 to 1980, which of course means we, we're going to cover Star Wars, and we're going to cover the big sci-fi boom, and we are also going to cover when Gemini Man aired, or, or the book is going to cover when Gemini Man aired on, along with Man from Atlantis and some other shows, and Logan's Run and stuff aired on, um, on against Doctor Who or in the vicinity of Doctor Who. And, um, and Gemini Man does come up in the book briefly. Um, uh, but that's another, that's another story. That's another story. I got to get, I got to talk about suspect your local police. So what did I say? So it's, um, directed by Paul Krasny, teleplay by Stephen E. D'Souza, story by Rick uh, Middleman and Stephen E. D'Souza. Let's see. Um, let me read you the review as always from some Polish American guy reviews things. And then I will give you a little bit more on it. Uh, all depending, of course, on um, what I've seen, uh, you know, happen and and uh, and this viewing compared to what I'm writing about here. But we start with Richard Jankel. Yeah, he plays Nick Radinsky, an American uh, Litvian, Litvanian cop who is part of a security for uh, Alex Kadeshko, a Litvanian national who will be speaking at a big Litvanian rally in the Litvanian part of the city. Intersex suspects that Radinsky might be planning to assassinate Kadeshko, so Sam Casey cuts his hair and goes undercover as a cop to find out what Nick is up to. Will they save Kadeshko? Will Radinsky turn out to be an assassin? Will Sam be happy with shorter hair and no huge bell bottoms? Don't tune in tonight and find out. Because the network never aired it, you see. <laughs> Yunk. This episode takes place mainly on the Universal Backlots, which is apparently where Litvanians live. I used to be an extra, so I recognized some of the twists and turns in the streets and the large area where everybody congregates for Kadeshko's speech. It's fun. There's a joy in seeing these same comfortable streets and storefronts appear again and again. Then suddenly, for the climax, they break out into the Los Angeles freeway, albeit an unused stretch, and the world opens up and it becomes that much more exciting. I like to think, although I'm probably wrong, that that stretch of freeway is the same one used in Stunt Rock. Did I say that in uh, Galactica 1980? Uh, but my enjoyment of seeing... This is around the same time period. Uh, but my enjoyment of seeing backlots isn't actually indicative of the quality of anything. Is this a good episode? My memory must have gone screwball. I remember being very on the fence about support your, suspect your local police. I like Richard Jekyll, who doesn't? I always imagine him and me having a couple beers, talking about this, that, and the other thing, and the conversation either ends with a hearty handshake or him beating the ever-loving crap out of me. He's that kind of guy. Have you ever seen the Ellery Queen he's in? There you go. For the rest of the episode, however, I remember giving it a shrug and a pass. But it works. Sam cuts his, cuts his hair and fits right in. Nick and he have a cool Adam-12 style relationship, except it's 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 his... Except it's as if Marty Miller is being blackmailed by communists to assassinate a man and Kent McCord can turn invisible. Yes, I know Kent was in Galactica in 1980, but he didn't turn invisible. The episode revolves around Nick and Sam driving around the Litvanian back lot and coming up against random thugs trying to extort shopkeepers. Then Nick visits with his fiancée who is in the hospital. She's being drugged by the jerks who blackmail Nick. Sam sees it all, but they don't see him, if you know what I mean. And if you don't, I failed somewhere here in my reviews. The jerks force Nick to set Sam up to get shot. Does Sam get shot and killed? Does Nick succeed? How many questions can I ask and not answer? 
the folks behind Jim and Amanda were not jerks. They knew how to make a solid, entertaining show that had a few surprises up its sleeve. And yes, we get some Abby in here for those Abby fans out there. Everything builds to the big rally and the will the assassination succeed scene. Then, added to the fun, there's a car chase. Pretty good car chase, consisting of some sweet stunts and kick-ass driving. The great thing about this car chase is that it's different from the previous Gemini Man car chase and Run Sam Run. Uh, that one was more about cars moving in unison across the screen doing crazy stunts a la the Bruce McLeod car chase. The chase and suspect your local police is more a regular sort of high-speed, high-tension chase. Both are great. Gemini Man went off the air so quickly, my guess is, although I do not have the ratings, that the show never got a fair chance. Episodes like this one show that anything else going on of this variety on TV at the time, like the $6 million man or the Bionic Woman, was matched by Sam Casey and Pals. There are only two episodes remaining. I know one of them is excellent. I'm hoping that the last one, which I remember disliking, will be excellent also. Oh, and that's the uh, that's the end of my review. Okay. That was, a, that was a little light on that one. Over, overall, it's, it's a good episode. I think it's it's one of those tricky things where if you're watching a show and you're you're not a hundred percent sure if you're in it yet, like with it's tricky with Gemini Man because it's tricky with the short-lived show and specifically now Gemini Man because there's only the TV movie, the eleven episodes, and you want it all to be great, and so you go not quite sure what you're going to get, and like I've said many times, you get the TV movie, which is quite good, then the first six episodes that are quite good, and then two episodes that are a bit, mm, not bad, but just iffy. And you're like, mm, would I, and I say to myself, would I keep watching the show if the show went this way? Now, this one, I think, th- this one obviously is does not have the sort of personal um, working within Intersect feel that a bunch of the early ones do. It doesn't have a lot of Abby joining in. It's just basically Sam driving around with Richard Jekyll most of the time then getting into shenanigans. But there is a feeling that Sam does has really gotten um, uh, sort of involved and he likes the Nick character. So he, he wants to help him out the best he can. So that's cool. And I actually think I would like this episode better if it were earlier in the season. After the last two episodes, it I, I can't... I'm wondering if, if, yeah, if this episode were maybe the third or the fourth one, would I... Because it does have more Abby in it, and it does have more Leonard in it. I'm wondering if if I watch this one, like I said earlier in the episode, that's the third time I've said that, would I like it more? Would I be more inclined to say, yeah, you know what, this fits in with the show? Because what happens is, yeah, you get the show and it does something. It's like it's like, like listening to an album or something like that where like you're not quite sure and you listen to the first few songs and you're like, hey, this is pretty good. And then they do a song where you're like, mm, I didn't really like that. And the problem becomes that when the next song starts, if they've done something you didn't really like, they can do it again. So the fact that the last two episodes were just, to me, not as much fun as the others... When this one starts off, you're like, well, they could do it again. And they don't quite, luckily. I think they they do a pretty nice job, but it is this is more like the last two episodes than the first six. But it's it is pretty darn good. I, I pretty much stand by what I said in the uh, in the review there. It is a pretty darn uh good episode. Sam gets some nice shenanigans in, they drive by the bank of Litvania. They drive by a place that's called, like, Shanker's Inn or something like that. I forget what it's called. I should have written it down. And they do drive through a lot of backlots, which is interesting because the last few episodes haven't been really all that backlot heavy. 
So to see an episode which is pretty much all backlots apart from the very end it is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess you have to do that once in a while. I mean, you're, you're, you're being made by the studio, so why not use the why not use the advantages of the studio? One of the things I do like about the episode is there is this constant thing that has that's gone through this episode, not really the last one, but the uh, the one with the you know the fake Sam Casey and then um, the one with the boat, the, this weird and wonderful kind of um, who are these like who are these bad guys? Who are these secret agents? You know, we're never very specific. Like kind of like that. It has a. It does have a feeling like with this episode, like it's like it's all one big network of nasty people trying to take down America or something like that. Of course, we're never going to learn much more. I don't think either of the next episodes really deal with that. Um, this is kind of the last one that does that. But there is kind of a nice sort of feeling of there's something, like like the, the enemy of Intersect. Like if the show had gone on, maybe at the end of the season, Sam would have come in contact with, um, you know, the, the evil Intersect. You know the, the 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 bad people who are doing the exact opposite of intersect, and maybe they have an invisible person too. I don't know, but I, I do like the um, the intimation. I mean, because this episode has just a bunch of thugs trying to shake a shake an old st- storekeeper down, but it also has these tricky people who are blackmailing and who have international ties and who have who are going to use a um uh uh uh. uh bouquet of flowers and they're going to put uh, like a hypodermic in the bouquet of flowers which is going to spray all over the, this um, Kachenko's face uh, with some sort of chemical agent that will um, be bad for him yeah and so so I'd like that and I do like how Sam um, it's funny with Sam I can't, I can't tell during those moments when he's talking to Nick and they get sort of he gets really boisterous whether he's being um whether he's acting because he's undercover or whether he really you know is getting into it and enjoying hanging out with Nick in the end it's kind of implied you know that um he was enjoying it but but some of it does look like like there's a point where where Nick pushes some thugs cars um into the red zone in, in a parking red zone and uh, Sam just laughs it up like crazy as it's happening so you know in these little great little moments and I actually have the scene going right now with the two thugs about to get beat up by Invisible Sam. And I like it. There's like one big guy in the background, like, I don't know, he's eating Twinkies or something. And then the other guy's eating orange slices. Oh, no, he's got like, are those cannolis? What are those? I don't know. No, I don't know. A lot of log cabin syrup and ketchup. Yep, Sam's beating the crap out of him and he tears the... <laughs> I love the concept that the uh, the old guy thinks he's got some kind of crazy kung fu moves. I won't. I won't go too too much more into it. But I do think yeah, Richard Jekyll is excellent in this. The sort of um, good man who's being forced to do something to save the woman he loves, and um, and I like too that they um, that uh, it it doesn't it doesn't drag it out and make it so that like oh my gosh he's going to, you know he's going to is he going to be a bad guy to the end and is 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 he going to do something really bad that he's going to regret? No, what happens is, you know, they're like, take Sam to this place and we'll kill him. And then and then Nick can't handle that and get Sam out of there. Then they go to Intersect. They talk to Leonard, they talk to Abby, and they come up with a plan and they save the freaking day. You know? And I think it I think it works really nice. And Richard Jekyll and Sam and, and Ben Murphy together are a nice, uh, a nice couple. 
they work well together as cops. Like I said, very Adam Twelve esque in some respects. Um, you know, if you've seen the first episode of Adam Twelve, kind of thing. Um, and I, I'm just going to stop stop talking about it there because because I think overall it's it's a it's a good episode. Um, it's it's true. Like I said, because there are only two episodes left, and if you're familiar with Riding with Death, the MST episode, or the, or the Riding with Death that they watched in the MST episode, then you'll know the next one. And the last one, like I said in the review, I don't remember liking the last one. And I still don't remember liking the last one when I think about it. So so we got two episodes left, one that I pretty much know that I kind of really enjoy and one that I don't like. And that's that's a tricky thing, like I said, is, is once we hit these last five here, things get very iffy, very uneven um, as they're sort of changing what the show is. But because the show ends after 11, you don't know if that's actually happening because if they're I mean yeah this is this is the mid 70s if there had been a full season of the show there would have been around 24 or so episodes at this point so there would have been another 13 episodes so if there had been a first full season there would have been another thir- well approximately another 13 I mean it may have been 11 it may have been 12 but let's let's say there would have been another dozen episodes of this show you know we haven't even we haven't even got half of most likely half of a first season going here so we still have around 12 episodes or so and just think with that it it could have had episodes like i had two or three more episodes like the ones from the last two weeks or the one you know the one from last week specifically and then other episodes that were more like the first five or six ones you know um you never know. That's the thing. The episode ends where it, the show ends where it ends, and we 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 left where it ended. It feels like it's Shanker Gift Shop. That's the, that's the thing. Where it where it's going to end. It feels like the show is changing. This episode is kind of in a. The previous episode felt like it was definitely changing. The one before it had that too. This was kind of in a mid spot because he's put undercover. Then the moment the undercover sort of breaks down, they immediately go to Abby and Leonard. Then Abby and Leonard are there for the rest of the episode. It feels like previous episodes. So it's true. Basically, all I'm saying is. I don't know what I'm saying, actually. Um, but what I'm saying is that I enjoy Gemini Man. And because we don't even have half of. I would imagine half. I mean, it could be half. I mean, yes, yes, it could be half. There could only have been 22 episodes. Since we only have half or maybe less than half of a first season, we don't know how it was going to go. Maybe most of the episodes could have been like the previous one. Or maybe they could have been a mix. Or maybe these could have been just some one-off episodes that they kind of maybe even adapted from old scripts or something and kind of threw in there because they didn't know where the show was going. You know, it's one of those things like... You know, it's like Doctor Who, The Edge of Destruction, um, back from early 1964, the two-part story set entirely inside the TARDIS. That was done because they, uh, that was originally written and prepared because they thought the show was going to be canceled after 13 episodes, and the BBC didn't want to spend any more of the budget, so they just had the four actors who were already on the payroll, and the TARDIS set, which had already been pretty much paid for, and that's what all the story is set. Then, of course, by the time they got to Edge of Destruction, um... Well, yeah, I think by the time they got to actually shooting The Edge of Destruction, they knew that the show was going to continue on. So The Edge of Destruction ends up feeling a bit weird. 
feel a strange stopgap in between two much larger seven-part stories. Um, but yeah, with this, we don't know. With, with one like the previous episode or, or, or one like the last episode, which is coming in two episodes, huh? would those have become the norm or would those have been sort of just random episodes? You know, like, like when you watch a, a sitcom. You know, I've just finished rewatching season five of Green Acres. You know, 26 uh, episodes. I really enjoyed the heck out of it. And I would say of those 26, 13 of them, I would say about half of them are full-on just joyous fun. And of the remaining 13, I would say pretty much the ones where Jay and Dick don't write them. Uh, pro- probably about maybe maybe seven of them are good. Not, not great. They have some laughs. They're fun, but not great, but good. And then a few of them are just kind of, eh, they're okay. You know, they don't they don't tarnish the show any. But they're just okay episodes, you know. But and that, that's going to happen when you have a show that has so many episodes. You know, you don't have an arc going over it. You don't have a controlled amount of like six, eight, ten episodes like we do today. When you've got 22 episodes and when you don't know, you know, like we're making 11 now. We don't know if we're going to have any more. So we're going to make them in a certain way now. We might make them in a certain way. You, you never know what's going on. More, more so than a show like, say, Planet of the Apes, which starts off strong and then almost immediately kind of loses that thread and just meanders until it ends. This one started off strong, got a little weakish for an episode or two, but now it's it's showing in here that it can still be strong. So those weren't this that wasn't the way the show was going. And in fact, we're not going to know where the show is going. So I'm gonna st- I am gonna stop. I'm sorry, guys, uh, guys, gals, and midnight pals, um, and everyone. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I like Gemini Man. I want to talk more about it, but I've talked as much as I want to talk about this episode. Well, next up, um, uh, character that we love will return. And so, um, let me, actually, let me wrap up the episode again here since I played that little trick on you with no Lucan for this one. Um, over on Twitter at, at uh, eSupertrain1, eventually Supertrain on Facebook, eventually Supertrain.blogspot.com. Danny Slacks at yahoo.com if you want to email me and um, yeah for the next episode we are going to do the uh, second part of the Super Scouts we are going to do the 10th the penultimate episode of Gemini Man and we're going to do as far as you know the first episode of season 2 of Lucan be good to yourselves everyone and uh, listen to this <laughs>